was like a mighty sea, so tossed and driven. Billows rise within the heart of every man. Storms so many times, they leave the heart with questions. But you don't need to understand. Just hold his hand. I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. I don't ever need to ask the reason why. For I know he'll make a way through the night and through the day. God, what do I have to fear? If I build upon Him, there's no sinking sin. Well, glory, praise His holy name. He is the one that loves us, cares, and will lead us and guide us. I need to hold on to Him. There's going to be circumstances, I understand. I got pains, woes, cares, and hurts. But if I hold on to Him, He'll see me through. He'll see us through. Thank you, Jesus. When my life down here is through and Jesus calls me to my home somewhere beyond the golden shore, I'll look back, review the past that's laid before me. Then I won't need to understand
his hand. Praise God. Well, I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. Amen. Not one word of God has changed. Every promise still remains. Who he was, he is today. Not one word of God has changed. Let's do that again. Oh, not one word of God has changed. And the lost are found by 
Not one word of God has changed. Oh, every promise it still, still remains. And who He was, He is today. Not one word of God has changed. Not one word. God has changed. Oh, every promise, it still remains. And who he was, he is today. Not one word of God has changed. Oh, who he was, he is today. God has changed. Nothing's too big for my God. No, 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 no. Nothing's too big for my God. I'm not gonna be discouraged. with God. 
The only impossibility with God is it's impossible for him to lie to you. So I don't care what you're facing today. I want you to take a hold that God can solve every single problem that you have today. Jesus. 
has paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain,
you Jesus more than anything and lead me to the cross. I couldn't help but think about that song when I was thinking of lead me to the cross. We constantly need to go back over and over and over and I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't get tired of us and of course I want healing and of course he is the savior and he's the one that keeps saving I always say he's active I love the ing saving healing but we got to keep going back to the cross and just being thankful ground level zero for our salvation and if you don't know him he's the best thing that as Dorian said he can continue to be your rock through suffering through hard things he is there and he's a constant I sleep upon God's bosom, my pillow is his hand. I fear not what the dawn will bring, I need not understand, oh my soul's at peace in the midst.
We thank you for the offering today. And uh, I know today we've got a lot of people that's out sick. There's a lot of this virus flu going around. And uh, I don't want to start naming names because there are a lot of different families. But just want to uh, remember them. I miss them when they're not here. And I miss their, how do you say, their praise. I remember... Uh, I look around and I see people that's missing that normally is involved in the service. They get involved in the, and their heart is here. And I know that when they're home, it's not the same. And uh, I thank God for his grace today. I thank him for the songs. I know that God has dealt with me differently this week. And I praise God for that because I had no idea when I started this week why I was on this. And I had no idea that Kenny would lose his sister the end of this week. And I know that he's grieving, and I know that we're grieving with him because we grew up with him. And uh, I can remember his sister from way back as, a, as one of the youth. And uh, it's hard. She's about the same age as Janie is, and her and Janie was real close in age. I thank God because I look back not only at Kenny and I look back through the years. Kenny, I look at your mom and your dad and I see your mom teaching. I see your mom standing before all the women and teaching Sunday school. And your father, would, and they were there regularly and they praised God and they lived for God. And I think about the grace and the mercy upon your family. And I know when things happen, we don't understand it, and there's many here that have problems and troubles that's bearing on them. I want to ask you a question. Think about today the tears that you've been shed. Over the years, what has made you cry? What makes you weep? Obviously, there's a lot of things that we read through the Bible and we hear how God had called people out. They did a lot of great and mighty things. And the Bible teaches that the Lord looks on those with a humble and a contrite spirit. That means a crushed spirit, a broken-hearted people. Why? Because he knows that we're unable to save ourselves. We have to humbly come before God. And I began to read this week, about something and God struck me with a words of what Jesus said but I want to I want to get first and I want to read a scripture I want you to hear this because this is what my message is about the Lord feels your hurt did you know the Bible talks about he feels what we feel and you say to yourself, because most people, when they're hurting, they don't want to tell nobody about it. They don't really want them to understand. They figure that nobody really understands what I've went through. Nobody really knows the grief that you're going through. And that's the way we look at it. Because, And we get off by ourselves. Maybe you've lost a child. Not everybody loses a child. Maybe you've lost your parents. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've lost loved ones. And that, that is something inside that makes you grieve. 
and I watched my father, and I told this a long time ago, I was 14 years old when my grandfather, Pruitt, passed away. I never saw my dad cry that way. Broke my heart. I was sitting in the back seat, all my brothers and sisters sitting in the back seat that we'd get in the car, and we were waiting on dad to get in the car to follow the funeral procession. And when he sat down in the car, and you, most of you know my father, he fell on the steering wheel, and he weeped. And he couldn't even hardly raise his head. That was his father. He was the, young, he was the younger boy, the youngest boy, but there was 11 kids, and he was number nine. And he had watched all them years, and here he lost his daddy. And I never saw my dad cry so much. I never saw him so broken. How many of those tears are a language God understands? Kenny, God understands. I know sometimes we look at it like nobody understands what I've hurt, what I've felt, but he does. And I want to show you that before it's over. But I want to read in a couple of verses first in second uh, chapter of Hebrew. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to John 11 here in a minute. But in 2nd uh, Hebrew, the 17th verse, it says, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him, talking about Christ, to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure, which means to help them that are tempted. How many knows when you call upon the Lord? We today, all of a sudden in the church, have got away from calling upon God. But I want you to understand something. When you call upon God, you need to understand He knows what you're crying for. He knows the hurt that you have inside. And sometimes it, it kind of bothers you when, you when you think about a father that knows what you're hurting for, but yet you would turn to the world or you turn to a doctor or you turn to some counselor or some book or some medicine. You don't turn to him when he knows what you're going through and he has the power to change things. And I'm going to tell you something. We're here a short time in this life. And we need to understand that we need to stay calling upon him. But it says here, on down in the fourth chapter, in the 15th verse, and this is the one I wanted to read. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses. And it says, but, we, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I want you to think about them. are some powerful words. And you add it up. It says, he, we have a high priest which cannot be, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched. So we have a high priest that's touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. And I want you to hear that because that is the, that is the center of what I'm talking about today. I want you to understand that. 
I want the church and our people, and I want all of the problems that's going on today, I want you to turn to him. And I want you to understand he knows what this is about. He knows what our world's doing. I told somebody yesterday, I told my sister Jane, talking to her yesterday, and I said, you know, I wish when I look at my lost loved ones, I look at maybe grandchildren, and I wished I could take them when they're messed up in their mind and they don't want to serve God. And you think the world has captured them and it's drawn them out and you can't talk to them and they can't talk to you. And then I think to myself, I was telling Jane, sometimes I think if I could only pick you up, if God would only pick you up and put you back a few years ago and you would see another generation, the generation that my father was in or the generation that I grew up in, you'd see a different world than what they're doing today. They don't pacify. They never pacified us when we was little. When we did wrong, we got spanked for it. Let me tell you something. I'm not trying to put you back to what we did. I'm trying to tell you, listen to what the voice of God's telling us. Because we've gotten so far away from seeing that, that our children are being lured out by the enemy. And we don't know how to stop it. All we do is sit and cry. All we do is pray. All we do is worry. And you say, well, that's what we're supposed to do. Yes, we are. But I got to tell you something. If you don't follow the word of God, if, if there is no discipline in, inside of you to discipline your lovely, beautiful, only your child would never do nothing that what other kids would do. Only your child. You know what? I know how precious they are to us. But when they get on the wrong side of God, they're in trouble and you need to know it. You don't need to cover it up and pacify it. I don't want to get on that subject. but Turn to John. I want you to turn to 11th chapter of John. I want to read something that I think God showed me. It says in chapter 3 of the 11th chapter of John, therefore his sisters, talking about Lazarus, sent unto him, talking about Christ, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The heartstrings of your life. Let me tell you something. There's two times People weep most of the time. And that's what I want you to talk about. You know what? Two times, two different places in our lives most of the time that men will cry, men will weep. It'll break the biggest man, the toughest man. And that's when you lose your loved ones, those heartstrings, and when you fear the loss of a loved one going to hell. Listen to me the responsibility of yours. Hear what I'm telling you. Because see, I want to read you where Jesus wept about something. He wept two places, it's listed, and I know he wept other times. I know in the garden, I know when he was out in the wilderness, he suffered great things. But I want you to hear what he says here. And on down in the 32nd verse of the 11th chapter, he'd already came to uh, Martha, now he comes to Mary. And he said, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. 
How many has ever thought if Jesus were here, all them sicknesses would go away? If Jesus was here, none of our families would die. We'd call upon God and he'd be, and he'd just heal them. Listen to me. I want you to see something that Jesus is doing here. He knows who Lazarus is. That's somebody he cared about. I read that first verse. You know, that third verse where it talked about he loved him whom he loved. And it said on down the fifth verse that he loved all three of them. They were people that he came when he came to Bethany, came toward Jerusalem. He always stopped and saw those three. They were his friends. They fed him food. They housed him. They took care of him. He was close to him. And Lazarus, and when Lazarus got sick and they brought him word, he just waited until the right time. He came. He came way too late, you would think. But listen to what he's saying. In verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. You mean Jesus is crying? You mean Jesus is groaning inside? Why would he groan? DJ, I thought about this. Why would the Savior that came knowing the glory that's going to come for who he is, knowing what he's going to do, raise Lazarus from the dead, yet when he came, and I want, to hear, I want you to hear this, even you that's preached the gospel many times. I want you to hear something that I felt like God was showing me. Number one, he is weeping as the son of man. That's what I want you to hear. He's weeping as the son of man. What does that mean? That means he was not weeping as the son of God here. He's weeping as the son of man. He had to become us. That's what Hebrew was reading. That's what he's reading in Hebrew. He had to become one of us. He had to feel what we feel. You want to know if Jesus hears you and he feels what you're hurting about? He knows. In all points, he was tempted as you and I were. So don't tell me God don't understand. Don't tell me, Jesus, when you call upon the high priest that sits and in place for you and I. He is our lawyer. He is our mediator. He is the one that we call upon and stands in for us. But he alone understood what was said. And it says here, he began to groan inside. Did he just get caught up in them crying? No, he cared about them. But he's the son of man. He had set himself aside to become a man to, to follow to the end and die for you and I. He suffered all those things. Did he suffer? They, they sung songs about how he suffered at the cross. They sung songs. He suffered in the garden. He wanted them to pray. If you'd just pray with me one hour, they'd followed him everywhere and saw him do all kinds of loving compassion and care for other people. But when he asked them to pray with him for one hour in the garden, they couldn't do it. They kept going back to sleep. He was wrestling, sweating great drops of blood. So, so under a, a stress and a turmoil of what was happening. Why? Because he became a son of man. And I believe he's weeping 
for Lazarus and for the grief that's on man. You think he didn't understand what man was going through? He did now. As the Son of God, and I know God understood, God's the same God that told Abraham to go and to, and to offer Isaac. God knew exactly what it was going to cost. But I tell you that Jesus, as the Son of Man, he understands when you lose a loved one. When you lose a heartstring and your heart is broke and you don't know how you're going to go forward. Now, I thought that was the oddest thing for God to open my heart to that. And that was, Kenny, long before your sister. That was this early this last week. I had no idea you'd lose a loved one that way. But all of us here have lost loved ones. And sometimes when we think about it, we didn't know how in the world we would go forward. I know my father believed in God. I know he knew the Bible. I know he loved the Lord and he trusted him with all things. But when his daddy died, he grieved inside of him. He groaned inside of him like Jesus did. And I want to tell you something. He understands what you're going through. He understands what's hurting in you. It says... He, was, he, was groan, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Verse 34 says, and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Then it says, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. They saw him as a man. Chris, I think they saw him as a man. But he was the son of man. He was 100% man. He's 100% God. But he said his God side to walk where you and I walk so he could be our Savior. I want you to turn now to Luke 19. I want you to see something else. Luke 19, all the way back in verse 36. This is Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the donkey. Most everyone, every one of the Gospels record the story when Jesus sat on the little donkey and came into, came into Jerusalem. It says in verse 36, And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now, you know what? When a king came into the, into the city, this is the holy city of Jerusalem. And I want to tell you something. When the king came in, he usually rode the best horse. He usually was dressed up. But nobody was accepting Jesus. And he rode in on a little donkey. Now, I want you to hear this. Because I, you know the hum humbleness and the way that he came in. But listen to what the Pharisees, and some of the Pharisees, verse 39, some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, 
that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, verse 41, he beheld the city and he wept over it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, number one, he wept for the grief that was going on when Lazarus died. Now he's weeping for his lost loved ones. He's weeping for the lost children of Israel. He knows that this day he's coming into Jerusalem and he really is the king that they're throwing their clothes and hollering praise to his name. Praise Hosanna, praise to the Lord. You know what? He really was that man. He really was their king. He was the Messiah they were looking for. But when he listened to these Pharisees and these religious leaders that followed him around to find out what was wrong in him, what they could find wrong with him, listen to what I'm telling you. Here, I believe he's weeping. It says he wept. He, he beheld the city and he wept. Why? They had rejected him. Brian, he's come to the end of it. He gave everything. They saw everything that he had did. But yet, they rejected him. So what's he weeping over? He's weeping over the lost children of Israel. I think he's weeping as the son of God. Not as the son of man, the son of God. Why? He's the father's best. He was sent the gift of God. God sent his very best to save, save his people. He sent his only son. And his only son gave all he could. And now his son is weeping over that city. See, Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Because he feels what you, you and I feel. He knows what the heart of the Father is. He comes to show us the heart of the Father. Father's not willing that any should perish. But can I tell you something? Our world's coming to a, a fast close. And not everybody's going to heaven. You don't want to hear that. Because you know many of them that's not ready. Isn't that true? You don't want to hear it, but I got to tell you. I don't want to hear it, but I got to hear it. It's got to come into my ears because it's in God's word. We need to take this gospel that we have, the power of God, and deliver it to whoever will listen. Don't sit on it. Don't hold back on it. It's what we have. It's what he gave us. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father waiting for us, and he knows what we feel. He knows the, what rejections is. Randy, he knows when you're rejected. He knows when the troubles come, he knows when they hate you at work. He knows this country that's putting God out of everything. You think he don't know it? He knows all about it. He suffered those things. We have to be willing to suffer those things. He wept, I believe, as a son of God because he knew his father's heart was broken. He gave all he gave. Couldn't give better than what Jesus gave. You and I have seen many workers in the church, and some of them, they, 
You can't keep up with them. I used to run almost to keep up with my father. And he was a, a shorter man, didn't have long legs. I think he wore short pants. And I don't mean shorts. He wouldn't wear shorts. But he had short legs. But he walked like he was in the Army. When he was heading for the hospital, he was at it. And I couldn't, you couldn't walk and talk with him. You had to just walk with him, try to keep up with him. You couldn't talk to him at the same time because you couldn't get your breath. And I remember being a kid when he would go down the street to the bank or something or down to the store, down where we walked, down in Northside. And I can remember many times running ahead of him, Ryan. I'd had to run ahead of him just stand there and wait on him because I couldn't walk with him. His leg, he just took off. In, in the 49th chapter, the last verse of the 49th chapter of Genesis, listen to this. It says, when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into his bed and yielded up the ghosts and was gathered into his people. First verse of the 50th, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and he wept on him, and he kissed him. Why? Because Joseph loved his father. Can I tell you something? When I put myself in Joseph's shoes, I think about the years he lost with his father because his brothers sold him out. I think about the love he had for his father, the time that he missed, and when his father died, he just fell on him, and he wept. You think God don't understand what we're feeling? You think he don't know your heartstrings? He knows exactly what you feel about. <clears throat> Samuel, second chapter, 18th verse. I'm giving you a couple of people in the Bible that wept, and I'm giving them to you because of a reason. It says in 2 Samuel, the 18th chapter, the 28th verse. And Ahimeaz called and said unto the king. Ahimeaz was a runner. He was wanting to run and tell the news. What was going on? David had a son that had turned on his own father. Absalom, you've heard the story many times. Absalom had rebelled and he got away from his father. He actually drawed the city. He drawed many people to him and got him an army and he came after his own father. He despised him. He rebelled. David understood why he did. You know the story of Absalom he was upset over his sister being raped by another brother. And he didn't, I guess, didn't figure David did enough, so he decided he'd take care of the problem. So he killed one of David's other sons. Now he's decided he's going to take over and be king. So he gets his own army, and he comes against David. And it's, they have a battle, and it says this runner said to, said to the king, uh, 
and said unto the king, all is well. He came back. He was the first one to get back. He came back to the king. The king is waiting for word of what happened in the battle. And it says, he came back. He says, all is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my Lord the king. You'd think that's good news, isn't it? All is well. But the truth is, listen. And the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? You know, David had already told his army when they went out, don't touch Absalom. Spare Absalom. Spare my son. They're going out. They have to fight this battle. But he wanted them to spare him. But we find out Job, Joab, one of his king, one of his captains, had killed him. Got his hair. That's the one who got his hair caught in the tree. And when Joab found about it, found out about it, he came straight to him and threw darts through him. He killed him anyway. Why? Joab made up his mind David was being too merciful to an enemy, even though it was his own son. But how many knows that was his own son? David's heart was still broke. David's heart was hurting for his son. You got lost loved ones that you're hurting for? You got lost loved ones that grieves you? Actually, when you get on past this, and you read it, he cried out, oh, Absalom, Absalom. He found out Absalom had died. He said, oh, Absalom, Absalom. That, that's down in verse 33 where he wept. And he said, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Why? Because he was slain. His, his son was killed. Was that why? Was that the only reason? I don't think so. I began to look at it and I began to realize he not only wept because his son died, but he wept because his son died in rebellion. You hear what I'm telling you? See, we got a world that's in rebellion. We got lost loved ones in rebellion. David was grieving even back then. Not only that his son would die, and he couldn't stop it, but his son died in rebellion. I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm not trying to be anybody's judge. I don't want to be my own kids or grandkids' judge. I just want them to know, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to fight the fight. You're going to have to quit playing in the world because the world will destroy you. It's bidding for you every day. It's luring you back out. The old man stuff. Do what the others are doing. Church has become soft. They don't talk about what God requires of them. I'm not trying to put no heavy burden on you. It's a burden to live for God because the world ain't going to be your friend. But see, I still read in that 53rd chapter of Isaiah, I still read where he was bruised for our iniquities. 
And he done all those things. And for our, our sorrows and our griefs, he, pay, he paid a price for them. So there's only joy and hope in Jesus. <coughs> if you're grieving and you think, I just can't take it. I just can't deal with it. You know how many people have left the church or they blame the church because their children's not living right. I'm sorry if your children's not living right. I know some of mine. My, I know some of my family is away from God. But how much do we grieve for them? How much are we weeping over the lost? See, God sent his son and he wept over the lost that wouldn't get the message. And I want you to understand something. We're to be weeping over what's happening today. We ought not to be worried about how we're going to fit in to this kind of a world. You know? I don't care what Amazon does. I'm sorry. I don't care what the Musk guy, or the guy that just bought out whoever it was. I don't really care. It's not that I'm against anybody. But you know what I see? I see people still, no matter what happens in our country, all of the wickedness that's coming down, and they don't see it. I told them Thursday night, me and my wife stopped over at Cracker Barrel, right over here. We hardly ever go in there. We hadn't been in a long time. We went in there, and I got there ahead of my wife, and I walked up to the lady, and I said, two? And she goes, Oh, well, sir, let me tell you, we got meatloaf, and we started reading the list. And then she said, and we got a beautiful uh, display. Look at, look at the liquor that we got. And I just looked at her. I said, what? I said, ma'am, do you want me to eat here? I really said it to her. I said, dude, you rather, you're trying to talk me out of eating here because I don't believe in that. I said, we not only don't need your alcohol, but I don't think Cracker Barrel, a breakfast place, ought to be serving alcohol. And man, she just looked at me, gave me that goofy stare. And you know what? She was elder to me. And I thought to myself, what is wrong with our country? Right in the midst of us having all the problems and them passing the laws toward all the things they're doing, we are standing back laughing at what happens and thrilled with all of the open doors to everything going on. We don't want to offend nobody that's doing something that God says is a sin. We don't want to offend them, though. That's what they think is okay. You know what? We ain't living the truth clear enough. I'm sorry, but we're not. We're not weeping for lost souls. In Psalms 34, the end of it says, it says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of, no. Yeah, no, that's Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, save as such of a contrite spirit. And then it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. One more place I want to read here. It says in the 20th chapter of Acts, I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul. It says in the 20th chapter, Paul 
had, had the uh, Ephesian elders called to him. Now I want you to hear this because he's talking to the Ephesian elders. And he says in the 18th verse, And when they were come to him, these Ephesian elders, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all, with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was preaching to them, and he says here, with many tears, and he held back nothing. You know what that tells me? Ministers don't hold back nothing. I don't care if you lose your 501C that you brought up or whatever you talk about. Whatever you do, you cannot compromise God's word. And that's what Paul's talking about. With many tears and many suffering, he did what he did. But he held back nothing. It goes on down at verse 29 of that 20th chapter. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. What is Paul doing? He's saying goodbye to the Ephesians. He knows he's going to be martyred. He knows he's going to be killed. And they began to weep when they went with him down to the boat to get on. Paul was grieving. But you know what? Paul said, I'm getting ready to leave you. And I didn't hold back nothing. And I wept and cried for three years over you, giving you the gospel the best that I knew how. You know how many men and women of God have served God and they look at their family and they're leaving and they say, I gave you my best. I can't do no more. That's the only thing that my little brain would do and the only thing I had to give you was what God gave me. I think of Brother Vaughn. I think of different ministers over the years that gave all they could just to get old and to say goodbye to their family. My dad couldn't hand me this job. Nobody could. God is the one that has to give it to me and he's asked to be the one that shows me it's, he wants to use me. But can I tell you something? I'm just here for a brief time and so are you. You got that family that's so blessed that God gave you. It's a beautiful thing to live and love and enjoy life. God gives us the blessing of it. But when we get older, we realize we're just like a flower that's bloomed. One time I was young. One time I felt better. 
I was able to do a lot of other things. You know what? I'm not that young person no more. Inside, I'm just a kid. But outside, I feel it every day. And when I hear of people going on, Kenny, that's not much older than me, some of them have been younger than me, that I've been a part of their funeral, and I think to myself, oh, gosh, such a short time. We weep for those that we love. We weep for those that we know are going to leave us. Someone's sick, and you see them leaving, and you can't stop it. You weep for them. You cry out, oh, God, don't take them away. I need them, Lord. I had a grandson not too long ago looked at me and said, Grandpa, don't you go nowhere. Don't you die and leave me here. I don't know where he's at sometimes. I don't know where his soul's at. But can I tell you something? We've got to spread the gospel truth to our children. We've got to love this gospel as much as we know to do to give it to our children. Because when we leave here, they're going to be left figuring it out. And there ain't nobody loves them like you do. Nobody can tell them the truth. You can say all the words, but you've got to live it. You've got to love them. You've got to show them. If you care about their soul, you have to let this word get in you. And you have to explain to them all are lost and all need a Savior. You know what? I don't want this to be a club. I don't want this to be a gathering place to have parties. I want it to be a place where we weep for the lost. I want it to be a place where we can love on each other and hold on to each other because we share the same spirit. We share the grief that God has put us through. And you know what? Sometimes it's those, it's, I've said it before, those that's been through things can help those that's not been there yet. Some of you have lost many people and lost many loved ones. And you don't understand why. You think it's some curse upon your, on your own family, but it's not. God's not taking people that way. God loves you. God has been good to us. He's blessed this place. When the presence of God comes into the room, be happy about it. Don't be sad. Don't worry about Cracker Barrel. I tell you, don't worry about getting the Cracker Barrel. You know, we can, I can put them off. I can go up, show up a little later. Now I don't care if I don't even show up. But It goes on. There's a, one other verse. Becky, you can come back up. It says in Psalms 30, the end of it, verse 5, says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Ain't that good news? You might be weeping and you may be crying and you say, I don't want some sad religion. I don't want some come here and weep and cry. 
Well, you know what? When you get the weeping and the crying that God puts up on you, it's good stuff. Can I tell you? You weep for joy. I get thrilled when I see what God's doing. Don't you? Don't you just want to weep and cry because you know God has answered prayer? It says that. It says in a verse in Isaiah 61, this verse you've heard all your life. It's where Isaiah 61.1 is where it said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. And it's talking about Jesus. And when Jesus came in Luke, the fourth chapter, he came and he began to quote that. But how many knows he only quoted half of it and then he stopped? Jesus quoted the first verse and then he quoted part of the second verse. I'm going to read to you the second verse that's in 61. He says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where Jesus stopped in Luke 4. But it, then it goes on to say, and the day of vengeance of our God. How many knows judgment's coming? The day of vengeance. God is going to take vengeance upon what man is doing. And then it says to comfort all that mourn. See, we're not supposed to sit around and skip through life and ignore everything that God has laid a responsibility on us. We are to weep for the lost. Aren't we not? It says here, he will comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that, that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning. That ain't for the early morning. That is for the morning inside that you weep for. And he says he'll give you all of joy and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that, might, that they might be called the trees of righteousness the planning of the Lord that he might be glorified. He will be glorified if we'll carry the burden for the lost. You hear what I'm telling you? Carrying the burden for the lost means take that heart strain, take that love that you know the Father has for the lost and begin to call their names out. Somebody told me the other day Sometimes they sit in their mind and they go through the pews and they look at every face that sits there each week and they begin to pray for each one, each family, each row. I remember having prayers nights like on Wednesday and Thursday, Tuesday and Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And I can remember times when people would go down the aisle and they would stop at every pew and they would pray for each seat because God there's troubles coming there's problems the enemy's trying to put us back to where we don't serve God young people listen to what I'm telling you younger than we are next generation coming up you'll have to take the burden for the lost I can't give it to you if God don't give it to you, if you don't desire to see God's work done, guess what? The, the church will dry up here. You have to step in. I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm not trying to put any burden on nobody. But you need to pray, oh God, I want your will. See, I didn't know, I didn't want nothing to do with my father's job, but I did keep praying, God, 
What do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me? Where can you use me, Lord? What do, what do you need to use me in? And I would try to teach. I would try to sing. I would try to, it seemed like I couldn't master nothing. I was just so-so at anything I tried. I just felt like I wasn't very good at it. But God has to show me. He has to take us. And if you're willing and you keep crying out, oh, God, use me, he will open those doors. But don't you have to turn from this world. Praise God. Everybody stand. I believe Jesus wept with grief as a man, and he wept with grief as the Son of God for the rejection of the gospel, the beautiful gospel that the Father sent, the beauty, beautiful message that came. Those shepherds that heard him, that heard the angels announce his coming, and all the angels began to rejoice. Glory to God in the highest. Because why? He had sent his very best for you and I. He came into this world just for you and I. We're in this world for a reason too. Not to be not to be what America says we're supposed to be. Not what our education people tell us we're to be. We're to be what God says to be with all of our heart. And then you'll receive the reward that comes from above. And I, want, I don't want my circle broken. I don't want my loved ones lost. I don't want to be like King David, weeping and crying because my loved one died in rebellion I'm not putting Absalom that, that's not my job I'm not passing judgment on him or no one else but I see so many that worry and worry about their children you've got to turn them to Jesus we've got to not just turn them over by saying I give them to Jesus to the Lord, no, you got to give all you got to turn them to Jesus. Give them the truth. Give them your true love. Correct them and show them. I'm done. While they sing, if you need to pray, you come.
Sometimes it's hard to figure the directions of our world. Sometimes I pray and I can't imagine. I look back and I see just over the last few years the changes that's happened in this country. My father and some of those wouldn't believe the time that we live in. They wouldn't believe the, they wouldn't be able to handle it. But it's our generation. And you know what? I don't throw it off on somebody else. If there's things that we're not doing, I pray God give us space to repent and to get back to doing what we need to do. Help us, Lord. Brother Mark talked about a revival. Revival inside the walls, inside the church. I think God's going to hold us accountable that we sit and do nothing when God's wanting us to be busy about his gospel. And I'm talking to me first. You know, got a thousand excuses why. We're too busy. We've already got stuff going on. We don't have time. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read our Bible. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking to strangers. I'm talking about people that loves the presence of God. I'm talking about people that comes into the house of God every week. I want to be blessed. I want this this country to be blessed. I want this these families to be blessed. But if we don't put Christ first before our families, before all things, if we're not looking to Him to change the things that's going on, then God's going to talk to us about it. He's going to talk to me about it. As long as He's got me standing here, I have to talk about what God's saying. I don't have a choice. And I'm not trying to put I am nobody. God can remove me anytime. I think as great as David was, he was talking about the sure mercies of David. I, the greatest David was, God used him in spite of himself. David made many mistakes. You know what? I've made many mistakes. God's used me in spite of myself. He's used you in spite of yourself. But oh God, help us to finish this race right. Help us, Lord, to live for you. Help us to hold our head up and teach our children where to go. We never know when it may be the last time we see them. What a world we're living in. The poison is being fed to our children. And we have the antidote right here. We have the truth. I thank you for your patience.